A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 82 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and today I'm discussing the best movies of 2018 so far with culture, film critic, and a great friend of mine, Mike Sargent. We also tackle a new study that just came out from California that brings to light how bereft we are of film critics of color. Funny thing is, here are two of them that are ready to talk about it. So stay right there. Things are about to get real. Guys, it's time we treated ourselves to some higher quality underwear because we deserve better. Underwear that feels good, provides support, and leaves us feeling fresh and comfortable. That's what sex underwear is all about. It's the only men's underwear that's actually designed with our anatomy in mind. When sex first got started, they wondered, why can't men's underwear be better? The answer, the ballpark pouch. A 3D support system unlike anything else in men's underwear today. I use them and it feels like bliss. Everything stays put, no friction, you can move around comfortably in it, and then there's the breathable fabrics. Super soft, moisture wicking that repels body odor. Since I started wearing Saks, I really don't wear any other brand. I want you to feel the same exact way. So, I've worked with Saks Underwear on this great limited time deal. Shop from anywhere on their site and get $5 off plus free shipping on your first purchase. But to get this great offer, you need to use my promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT at checkout. Order a few pairs of Saks right now with this great offer and go to Saks Underwear at saxxunderwear.com. That's Saks with two X's and use the promo code highly relevant at checkout. Remember, saxunderwear.com. Promo code highly relevant. It's movie time, and joining me for this passionate discussion on movies and film critics is called... It's movie time, and joining me now for this passionate discussion on movies and film critics of color is Mike Sargent. And to me, he's one of the most insightful voices in film and culture criticism, and he's also one hell of a guy. You can catch him on Fox Business News, PBS, and WBAI Radio here in New York City. Mike, great to talk to you as always, my man. Hey, Jack Rico. One of the things that... Uh, I wanted to talk to you about were the best movies of the year so far of 2018. So I kind of want to hear your three to see if they match my three. And then, uh, but before we talk about that, there's one 
study I wanted to talk to you about that just came in the news. So I'm sure you heard about the new uh, USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism study that came out recently that concluded that film critics are overwhelmingly white and male. Dun, 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 dun. Oh my God, that is such a revelation. Yeah, newsflash, newsflash. Yes, yes. <laughs> really? You please, needed to do a study please. to let us know that? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I've got so much to say, but you and I have been talking about this for a long time. And, you know, I have to say, I, I, I really feel... I've always felt powerful and, and strong about it that, you know, the view of the world we get from films is largely influenced by white males. They write them, they direct them, they produce them. Uh, and then they're reviewed by white males. So it's sort of a self-fulfilling industry. And then they praise themselves. It's an it's echo chamber show. to a certain so, extent. Uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely an echo chamber. And the problem, you know, the multiple problems with that is that it, it, just like what happens on the internet while we have access to all this stuff, people are more insular than ever before. You know, it keeps the, the type of images we see being the same, the type of tropes being the same. We, we keep seeing the same types of things, even down to all the, the screenplay formulas and what you expect from movies. Why do we expect these things from movies? Why do we expect the three-act structure? Why do we expect the, 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 this, the plot point? This, you know why? Because this is what we've been seeing. Who's to say? How many times have you seen a film, a foreign film especially, where it does so many things you would never see in an American film and you're blown away because yeah. you're just not not used to having that kind of story told to you? So bringing it back down to critics, I, I also think part of the way it's hurt films, especially films about people of color, is the industry dis is dismissive of them and they always existed in their own little ghetto and somebody like a Tyler Perry, not that I'm a huge fan, but he stopped showing his films to critics because the, the white critics would just ignore his work, you know, and they couldn't get any cultural significance from it. So I feel strongly. I would love to hear what you think. Jack. Well, before I give you my opinion, Mike, uh, let me kind of read a little bit about the stats, the numbers that this study did, and then I can yes. go into and sort of like unspool what all this information means. So academics analyzed the gender and ethnicity of writers whose reviews were included on the Rotten Tomatoes aggregation site for the top 100 grossing films at the U.S. box office in 2017. They reported that almost 20,000 reviews that were found 77, that's almost 80%, were written by white men and 22% by women. So that ratio is insane. I mean, we're talking about a 50-point gap. The picture is even worse when it comes to ethnicity. So here's where, where, where the study starts getting interesting for us. The report suggests that 82% of reviewers are white with 18% from the underrepresented racial ethnic backgrounds. And broken down further, the report says that white, it says that while white males contributed 67.3 of reviews, women of color wrote only 2.5%, a ratio of nearly 27 to 1. So the most dominant group of film critics are white men, and the least dominant are women of color with 2.5%. 77.8, 
just round it off to 80 to 2.5. Holy shit, man. What? Dude. Dude, this is you, a travesty. You. This is this is this is tragic for the news for all these publications that really talk about diversity. Look, pop culture is about everyone, guys. It bothers me when movies like Fast and Furious make their billions what on the backs of who? On the backs of minorities. They're the ones that go out to those movies. It's Latinos and blacks that mostly go to those movies. And, you know, the percentages, they're all documented. Just go look at the Hollywood Reporter. Just type it in. Fast and Furious demo numbers. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So how the heck is it that the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these publications haven't for years been hiring ethnic film critics? Look, you're one of them. I'm one of them on the most professional levels. You and I go on television as an African-American man, as a Latino man, and we review movies. You on Fox, me on the Today Show. I did this at VH1 for years. I mean, we're talking, I've been reviewing movies for 15 years. And here's what's wrong with it. It's white editor-in-chiefs of a lot of these publications that are in charge of the film department, whether it's a newspaper or whether it's a digital website or whether it's Rotten Tomatoes. They hire their friends. Their friends, for the most part, aren't black, aren't Latino. So they don't get along with them. In the meantime, when somebody does come in, it's like, oh man, there's that counterculture. I'm not, I don't really get you and I don't really want to hear your voice until somebody calls them out on it and they're like, okay, we got to do it. But they don't want it. You know, I've always been, I've, I, how many times have we had the conversation when Black Panther came out? When Coco came out, why is A.O. Scott of the New York Times talking about it? Where, where do you come from the black experience or the Latino Mexican experience to tell me a Latino how that movie affected you? No, no, no. The movie's about us, brother. Let step to the side and let a Latino film critic review it. I'm done. Wow. Well, dude, I don't know how real you want me to get, but get you, real, man. No. This is the time no, to do dude, it. I don't know how real you want me to get, but let me just say top to bottom, you know, this has been an issue for a long, long time. And I've been, I've been a film critic since about 2001 and, and I started out in major market radio. So I, I got a lot of respect, but I, I was, I, I got the gig. Okay. Because my idol from when I was a teenager, whose show I used to listen to, uh, and then I ended up at the the same radio station doing other stuff there. Uh, he died, and I ended up then hosting the show. What was his I name? The name of the his name was Paul Wonder. The show was called Soundtrack. So I ended up uh, hosting Soundtrack. This is a show I grew up on. When I say grew up on, I mean I was addicted to the show. I taped wow. it every week. I was a total Uber fan. So I ended up, you know, then becoming, you know, hosting the show that I uh, grew up listening to. So I got thrust into this world of film criticism. You know, I was already doing other stuff in radio. And, you know, there's an obvious hierarchy, okay? There's an obvious hierarchy in terms of the outlet, but then there is the hidden hierarchy. The hidden hierarchy in terms of here's, here's human nature. Let's strip away the fact that this is, you know, we're talking about a study looking at the uh, film 
uh, critics. Okay. What if they did a study looking at the film publicists? Okay. Uh, if they did a study, <laughs> if they did a study, when they do a study looking at film directors or film producers or actors, you do any study, you're going to see this exact same bias. Okay. This is top to bottom. This you're country. Right. All right. So, but here's, here's what I'm, 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 I'm driving at is that part of the problem is, and, and I think that this is, this is how, you know, racism and, and negativity and, and, and bias and, and stays is that when something's always been that way, it's just always been that way. It's just, it's, it's just always been that way. It's normal. Uh, listen to me. I'll tell, I'll never forget something that a girl said to me when I was in college. It was a white girl who, uh, I had, you know, become friends with and I went to Parsons. So Parsons was a specialized school. You had to take a test to get in and everything. And, you know, there were kids from all over the world, all over the country, all over the world there. So, you know, and a lot of times college, if you live in an area where you don't have people of color, that might be your first experience. And I was always like that starter black friend for a lot of white guys. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm like the starter <laughs> friend where they're like, they'll ask starter me questions. Starter black friend. Yeah, I was. I was. Hey, man, I, I know a guy. I, I know a black guy. Yeah. I'm not racist. Mike Sargent, you know. Listen, or or more importantly, they'd ask me, they'd ask me questions they'd always wanted to ask a black person. So this girl says to me, and she said this, and there was no, there was no racism behind it, but this statement says it all. She says to me, um, let me ask you a question, Mike. If, if white people aren't superior, then how come it's always been this way? Wow. Talk about ignorance, man. Right. Did she but, ever but, pick but, up but, a book? Yeah, but 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 again, you know, there's tons of things in her life, and she's in college, okay, a specialized college. There's tons of things in her life that are just supported exactly that view. All right, so th that's one factor. The other factor is people have a tendency to hire people who look like them. They have a tendency to listen to people who look like them, who sound like them. Yeah, and that's a who, fact. Who they can, that's a and fact. that's just that's just a fact. So there's going to be that inherent bias, okay, but. Why would anybody change it if it's always been that way? And this is our instinct. This is inherent bias. It's sort of like, you know, if every human being, you know, wipes their ass going up and then somebody says, you know, you should really be doing it down, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, why? It's always, I've always wiped it up, you know, so. <laughs> and no one ever said anything. No one ever said anything. So, so <laughs> my ass is clean. What are you talking about? So I'm just. I'm just saying that, that that to me, you know, this it is indicative of of the industry as a whole. You know, I'm not going to start naming names and talking about studios, but absolutely, does racism exist within the industry, within the publicity? Absolutely. Oh, you know, you talk. You know, people don't speak out about it because they don't want to get ostracized by the studio. Okay, but it is clear and obvious. Okay, and I I leave. I I won't. I don't have to name names. Let's talk about A Wrinkle in Time by Ava DuVernay. Okay, this was a movie that was coming off of on the heels of Black Panther. Okay. And there were so many white critics talking about Black Panther. And I think there was a particular fear from white men, film critics, to bash that movie. Because you know that if a white guy would have bashed Black Panther and the records it was setting and it was till, still saying, oh, this movie sucked. In any way, that dude was going to get trolled for the next year. Then A Wrinkle in Time came out, and the movie didn't do that well. And one of the things that Ava DuVernay said over Twitter 
was that the reason that the movie wasn't being reviewed well was because there were no people of color writing reviews for her film. It was, and it was also interesting from her part, almost like, it's almost like she was trying to allude to the fact that if they were people of color, then they would automatically like the movie. And that's something I particularly don't like, okay? Well, as a Hispanic, as a Hispanic film critic, I've seen 80% of the Spanish language movies that I've seen, again, from the United States, not necessarily from uh, Latin America. They're terrible, man. Ponte Leon has one of the records with me on my list of the worst movies I've ever seen. Spanish, Hispanic. Uh, You remember those Sofia Vergara movies, man, from like Miami Beach. And they were, they're terrible. And they, they just propagate stereotypes. It's, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to Hispanics. And I go, I don't see myself like that. I see myself in a different way. I know talk like these, like that's not all Hispanics. Hey, that was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so thank God for Lin-Manuel Miranda for elevating the Hispanic culture within the Heights and, you know, Hamilton, obviously. Um, But, but it was, it it was terrible for us. So, but you know what? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Cause I want I really want to respond to what you're saying. So, What I'm trying to say is just because we're Hispanic, we're not going to support every Hispanic film. Same thing applies with African-Americans and any other ethnic uh, gender. You know, it's it's not going to happen just because a, a Wonder Woman comes out doesn't mean that a woman has to love it. This applies to politics. This applies to every branch of the society. Listen, I agree with you because you know why? Because why should they have to? They're not going to make right. any more money. If, if they're making money and this model works, they're not, why, why should they have to be more inclusive? If there was something that showed them they would make more money because that comes back down to the bottom line and all the pecking order and how many people do you reach and how many potential butts can we put in the seat? But, you know, here's my take, though, on the Oprah Winfrey, on the Oprah Winfrey, the uh, Ava DuVernay thing. You know, uh, I... I you know, series of circumstances I did not actually get to see Wrinkle in Time, but I've read a lot about it, and I'm obviously aware of the original material, and I'm aware of the original movie, and I'm aware of it. You know, I'm clearly aware of everything about it, but what I felt she was saying is what you're alluding to in the second part is not so much that, you know, the people automatically should like it, which is easy to interpret that. There, there, there's definitely a sense of entitlement, uh, you know, you could read into it, but I, I, I took it more... To, to, to or my sense of it is that you know the the people who would appreciate what she was trying to do okay didn't get to see the film now that doesn't mean the film is better than it is okay but what she i think she's complaining the people and the people she's talking about are women of color women of color would understand or get some of the things she was trying to do because they had never been done. They aren't done. Some people I know felt she overdid it. She was too heavy handed, too much positive uh, affirmations that, you know, that, that, and that came from a black male. Now that's a black male's perspective on what kind of work she's doing and, and what her mission is and, and her brand as a, as a creator of content. But what she's saying is her brand to create of, of content creation. There aren't enough people who would really appreciate it now that being said that doesn't mean that they will but they aren't there they aren't there there's you know there i don't even know i i i co-founded the african-american film critics association and the black film critics circle 
for the same reason, because I felt like, well, how could there not be one? There's all these other organizations. Why is there not a critics association? Why is there not some collective voice that could make a difference? There isn't even a Latino film critics organization. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Some dudes try to put a list together, man. (laughs) Poor guy. I think he got like, like cinco gatos, man. Five cats to kind of just like (laughs) together to be like, Hey man, we're going to drink some soda today. Uh, get some pizza, well, and, you know, but again, part of that is how many are there out there? How many legitimate critics are Latino that are reviewing films? There, there are only a handful, you know, and, 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 and that's across the board. You mentioned Monica, uh, you know, when I started my, uh, TV show, okay. My edict was to be a, I'd be, you know, there had never been, uh, 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 African-American male hosting a film review show before. And I always wanted to have co- critics who were females of color so that's what i look for and it was hard it was hard to find them Look, I, I had you know it was hard to find them so i just looked up uh coco reviews on google i just yes. typed in coco reviews and here's yes. what i got ao scott the new york times if this movie doesn't quite reach the highest level of pixar masterpieces it plays a time-tested tune with captivating originality and flair okay Where's the Hispanic experience in that in that quote? For whatever reason, cultural pride always equals cultural prejudice, and I don't know why. And it's like I can't embrace your worldview because I feel mine is superior. I, oh I'm not even going to entertain it. Oh my god! Yes, you that, know what I'm saying, dude. You said something that just kind of like pierced through me. It was it's so truthful. It's about superiority, you know, kind of like what that yes, girl kind of said to you. If all right. of us exactly are mostly white, that means we're superior. Exactly. This these reviews that we're seeing here, none of them are from Hispanic. There's no Rodriguez or Hernandez's or anything, and that's what bothers me because we're getting a we're not getting an authentic, accurate worldview of a movie like Coco or Black Panther and what that means. Well, this, the, the, again, the cultural significance, it's, it's funny. I, I had to write a, um, a recommendation for a filmmaker friend who's, who's a, who's a foreigner. And this has something to do with getting recommendations from professionals about their work and, and something I wrote, cause I, you know, I had to, you know, we went back and forth a little bit, but I want to read something I wrote and, and, and it's apropos. And I said, as a film critic and filmmaker, I believe in and know the power of story and how the narratives we absorb shapes our view of the world. Powerful stories that speak about the human condition are needed now more than ever. And, you know, the human condition is a lot bigger than the world from these colonizers. What else needs to be said, man? (laughs) I know you concur. Let me just read you this part. To kind of end it off. Sure. Hold on a second. One sure. Second. The report called for the adoption of what they termed 30-30-2020, a set of percentages to correspond with the gender and ethnic makeup of the U.S. population. The target would be for white male critics to drop from 63% to 30%, with similar adjustments benefiting the other gender ethnic groupings. It's like a form of affirmative action, man, but within the film critic universe. Well, you see, there it is. That 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 would be that person that would say, okay, 
you know what? When we have a, a, a Latino film or an Asian film, we have we have a, a cadre of film critics, you know, and we split it up evenly. And clearly, you know, culturally specific should go with culturally specific, or at the very least, uh, make it something so that we get something different. Have two of them review it, right? You know, and 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 give us. There, there used to be a publication that would give us two reviews uh, in the same publication, and and that in my opinion, is better because at least you're getting perspective. You know, I think Black Panther took them by surprise for so many reasons because it was a genre that is immensely popular, okay? It's, it's you know, the thing about fantasy, okay, as an alternative to reality is that you can let go in some ways your worldview, and you have to adopt the view of the world you're watching. If you're in a zombie movie, you forget reality. You're in the zombie movie. You're 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 thinking about mm-hmm. what that sound or that person getting through. So so what a movie has the ability to do is to transcend our experience, and then you come out of it a little bit, a little bit different. Hopefully, you know. So in my opinion, the power of film and and its cultural significance. It has to be uh, uh, include the the lenses that allow us to see it for what it's really worth. Right. Or, or that's uh, that's you, all you we're know? asking for. It's right. just a voice that happened to have lived a particular experience that a white man or a white woman haven't, and they might have read about it, but that doesn't make you authentic in being able to relate the story of that particular movie that's talking about culture in Mexico or what it means to have an African-American in a sci-fi film. And, you know, because for them, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that seems a little different. For us, it's like, holy smokes. I can't <laughs> believe it's just a historic moment. We're like in the streets, you know, parades. It's that's how we feel for them. It's like not a big deal. It's like, okay, something a little new. Let's see, man. Let, let, let's see what happens. We can be on this topic for a long, long time. So let's talk a oh, little bit easy. about the best movies of 2018 so far. So let me give you my list and then I'll hear your list and uh, then we'll start comparing notes. Okay, here we go. First Reformed, a movie directed by Paul Schrader starring Ethan Hawke. Reverend Toller? Yes, Mary. You must come over. You must come over now. Explosives. She was becoming someone I didn't know. Opportunistic diseases, anarchy, martial law. You will live to see this. You had no idea that he was thinking of. No. So frightened. The second is a movie called Hereditary, which is a horror movie. Um, that stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, Gabriel Byrne. Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Tina! Don't you ever raise your voice to me. I am your mother. Raise your Mom, what's happening? And then there's a movie called American Animals. This one's directed by Bart Layton, and it stars Evan Peters, Blake Jenner. You probably don't know too many of these people. And Dowd, who's also in Hereditary. This library is home to the most valuable book in the United States. $12 million 
You really need to see how easy this is going to be. Oh, you know this from all your previous heists? This movie is about a, a group of guys, four friends who live in an ordinary existence in Kentucky. And after a visit to Transylvania University, uh, one of them comes up with the idea to steal the rarest and most valuable book from the school's library. And so it's a bit of a heist thriller, but with like young kids. And so it seems great, man. You know, excellent, has 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody seems to really like this movie. And so those three so far, two of them I haven't seen. Hereditary is the one that I saw the horror movie. The most disturbingly delicious movie I have seen so far this year. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, for, and this is rare, okay, because I'm not a big horror movie fan at all. But I have to say, Hereditary and A Quiet Place. Ooh, that's the, right. Who are we? If we can't protect them, we have to protect them. They were two of the best films I saw this year, not just from the standpoint of, um, you know, were they scary? Uh, and they can compelling, but from the filmmaking standpoint, there were so many great things. Hereditary had some great things. Yeah, there were a few things I thought in the third act looked like they edited out a few things, but I got to tell you, really, really, really well done. Oh, A Quiet Place, uh, directed by John Krasinski with his wife, Emily Blunt. Yep, in it, and they started together, and I got to say, it's it's in my a, a near perfect twilight zone film i heard that the thing about the quiet place is that the ending there's like a huge plot twist that was amazing that no one saw coming uh, i don't want to say anything it, is there a plot twist uh yeah there are plot twists but it's more really about setup and payoff the setups there's some great setups and they really really pay off Oh, nice. I like that setup. They really pay off. They really pay off. There's just, I don't even want to give it away. It's okay. just, it's, they're masterful. Let's put it like Wow. That. Wow. Big words yeah. coming from Mike Sargent. Right. All right. And hereditary, hereditary, I have to say, hereditary did something that's very difficult to do. Uh, you did, you see hereditary? Oh, dude, I was in the room oh, with that's you. Right. We were, we're like, you were like. That's right. Of course. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Hereditary does something that I think is really difficult, which is daytime scary. Hard to do daytime scary. That's true. He, That's true. And he pulled he pulled it off, you know, like, you know, usually you need the the, the darkness and the this and the that. Right. He so, made, and he, he got that from Kubrick, in my opinion. So yes. for those of you that have not seen Heret Her Hereditary. It's a film, it's a horror film, but it's not a slasher film. It's a supernatural film about a family. And what we start finding out through the film is they start peeling the layers of the family and we find out that something happened with the mom and there's a trickle down effect into the rest of the family and so by the end of the film so many ludicrous things happen but within the scope of reality that you're disturbed because there are deaths that occur that you don't see coming Absolutely. that disturb you but for some reason, almost like makes you want to continue down that black hole. It, it's you don't want to let go. You just want to continue to see where it goes and it goes. And then finally that crazy ending happens 
and you're just left with your mouth agape. You can't believe what's going on. I, I thought it was brilliant. It was, uh, it was brilliant. brilliant. So what's the brilliant. other movie? What are the other two movies that you liked? Uh, well, besides Hereditary and um, A Quiet Place were probably my two favorite films. You know, there were a number of other smaller films that I, I really liked. I don't know if that I would say they were uh, great. I really liked a, a film called A Kid Like Jake. Uh, I was surprised at how well written it was. Very, very well written. Who, who directed thoughtful. it? Who stars in it? And what, what, what's it about? You really don't think it's weird? I mean, he does like to play dress up. That's not news. Yeah, he likes fairy tales, but maybe that's not the most critical thing worth mentioning. He asked why boys can't wear skirts. I don't want to send him off to kindergarten labeled. He's only four. What if he starts thinking there's something wrong with him? Uh, the film, it's called A Kid Like Jake, and it's directed by Silas Howard. It's written by Daniel Pearl, adapted from his play. Uh, it stars Claire Danes, Jim Parsons, and Octavia oh. Spencer. Well, good cast. Very good cast. It's about a Brooklyn couple who uh, have a four-year-old son who, let's just say, he's interested in, he's a boy who's interested in being a fairy tale princess. And he's not afraid to show it, but he's starting to go to school now and has to interact with And they have to face a lot of issues about that. What what is going on? What does it mean for the future? How other kids are reacting? And I got to tell you, it's such a thoughtful, well written piece. It's just one of those things that surprises you. And the director is a is a trans person. His name is Silas Howard, and he's won all kinds of awards. He he worked in that show Transparent. He's got that that new uh, um, show that's coming up uh, called Pose. It's a new oh, TV series coming up. I, I, people have been raving about that show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, he's he's one of the forces behind it, and he's directing. So those are your top three, then. Yeah, I had to think about it a little bit more. Well, let uh, me ask you, I, why I was, I mean, why isn't it Black yes. Panther? Well, you know, here's the thing: I like Black Panther, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, I I like sort of like, and this may sound weird, but sort of like King, you know, where or or OJ Simpson. In that Black Panther represents a lot more than what Black Panther is. You know, I completely love so many things about it. It's an Afrofuturism. It's an introduction to Afrofuturism. It's placing the most powerful, uh, technologically advanced civilization in the Marvel Universe is in Africa and is black folks. Uh, you know, gotta love that. Uh, in terms of the movie, uh, you know, it definitely the third act had some issues for me. I wouldn't say anything negative about the film. So yeah, there's really not nothing negative, but I just, no, I also I, thought that, you know, it wasn't best picture material for like an Oscar film. It's a great no. popcorn commercial Hollywood Absolutely. film done fantastically well, but there's a particular tier of films of prestige cinema um, that, you know, is a, is a bit of an art form, you know, they're, they're it's avant-garde well, done by, you know, and that, but that's but, tours you know, and can I also say that's also a certain kind of thing too, that that's, that's like, who are those arbiters of, of taste and, 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 and what an Oscar nominated film that, you know, when you were saying that I was thinking about that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think Creed was Oscar worthy. Okay. Uh, and you know, it dealt Creed with some, some similar. Yeah. Creed was excellent. So I think he's an Oscar level director, writer, director. I think he did amazing work with the material. I've seen it a couple times now. I think it really works. Uh, 
probably, you know, I could say Black Panther of of what's come out this year. Definitely, I couldn't say that that A Quiet Place and the other one were <coughs> necessarily better than Black Panther, but. Yes. I think uh, in a right. weak year of films, if we continue, like, I feel like the movies are strong so far by, you know, this mid-year, uh, June, where we're doing this podcast. I, I think mm. if we continue with these good movies, they're just mm-hmm. going to get better throughout the year. And we're going to have one of the better years for films in a long well, time. Oh, there's some movies. There's some movies I'm actually excited about seeing. Like, I was supposed to go see Sorry uh, to Bother You. I really want to see that. That looks really good to me. Um, uh, th- that other movie, The Happy Time Murders, I really want to see that. Uh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, I really want to see that. Yep. Black Klansman, I'm very interested oh, in Oh, Spike Black Lee's Klansman. new joint. Yeah, you know, when Spike Lee, you know, I, I, I admire Spike Lee because he's always got something to say. I may not always agree what he has to say, but he always has something to say, and I will admire an artist who's always got something to say. Right, he's bold, he's revolutionary, he's he's in your yeah. face, you know, with... He's uh, got something of course. to say. And, you know, and I, 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 I respect that. I think, you know, when you've got something to say, of course, if you say it well, nothing's better. I, I did see a movie recently called El Septimo Dia. ¿Contra quién juega la semifinal? Chinantra, el domingo. Va a ser un juego muy duro. Por el domingo. Por el Hey, here's the deal. I need everyone on Sunday. I have a private party after brunch on Sunday. These are important people coming in here. I need all hands on deck. Thanks, Jose. No, no puedo trabajar el domingo o nos dan en la madre, o nos dan en la madre o me corren. It's a movie. It's a very, very avant-garde type of film where a, a, a gentleman, a white director, decided to kind of tell the story of these um, delivery boy Mexican. It, the, the, it's like a friendship clan. They're like a family. It's about seven or eight of them that live in a house. So that's a bit of stereotypical, but hey, stereotypes come from somewhere. Right? It's a form of truth. So there's like seven, eight guys, and it's a pretty simple story. Stories about these eight guys that are delivery boys, work in the kitchen, but when they get out of work, they are playing in a soccer tournament in Brooklyn at a park. And the movie's really about these guys trying to get out of work to play in the final game of the tournament. And the boss tells them that they all need to work that day because there's a private event and they, he needs all hands on to be able to pull this uh, party off. It screws up their schedule and they find innovative and comedic ways in how to get and play into the finals. Um, very simple you know, these guys obviously are, are are not real actors. They're like just real people that are in this setting. I thought it was interesting and it was a great peek into the life of a delivery boy that comes to your house that's Mexican. What's his life like after he delivers you the lunch? Where do they go? Where do they live? What do they do? And if you're ever curious about that, watch that movie. It's called El Septimo Dia which means mm. the seventh day. It's not a great film, but the purpose of it is cultural so you can have a window into how these guys live on off hours in their leisure time. And I thought it was fascinating because now when I see them, I know a lot of that is based on truth. Go to Flushing Meadows. You'll see what I'm talking about. So I thought I thought mm. that that... If you're going to continue, if we're going to continue doing movies, we're going to have to get a lot more 
avant-garde indie Latin American directors like uh, the guy from Chile. Uh, his name is Sebastian Lelo. He's a great director. He's showing a lot of promise. Now we need more female directors to kind of come in and do their thing. So if we can get film critics and film stories and film directors and film actors that are Latino, then we can do something. But it's just going to take like 10, 20 years, Mike, until we really see sort of an even playing field. Okay. All right, Jack Rico. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there, Mike Sargent. Thank you so we'll much, man. We had a good conversation about Very good. Uh, film critics of color and what what needs to be done uh, as well, and what your what the best movies are so far this, this 2018 that I think I think are pretty good so far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check yeah. the the ones that you uh, recommended and and some of the other ones that uh, everyone's talking about too. All right, man. I'm going to check out the one you recommended. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for episode 82 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Mike Sargent for coming on, and I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as well. If you like what you heard, you can support the show by sharing us on social media and telling all your friends about it. Remember, it's through your word of mouth that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.